Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. Bury Your Head by Seven Days of Samsara, featuring my friend Dave Rudnick on bass and vocals. I cannot even begin to tell you how many Saturday or Sunday nights I spent watching this band play this song, but let me tell you, when that opening riff came on every single time, the energy was palpable. This band and their ideology of not living every day like you lived the day before has meant so much to me in my life. And I just want to say thanks to Andy, Jeff, Matt, and Dave for everything. I was born uh, in Chicago in the uh, late 70s. And um, shortly, uh, a couple years after that, my parents moved to the suburbs. And um, I'm the eldest of four kids. And um, I don't know, had a pretty quintessential suburban upbringing. You know, my parents were there. Um, Got in fights with my siblings, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but um, oh, I, I've had a pretty, pretty awesome childhood, um, and it's a uh, yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. You said you have you're the oldest of four, so like, um, wh- wh- what were your other like? How far sure. apart were you from from all your? Uh, I've got a bro- I've got a brother who's two years younger than me. And then my other brother is three years younger than him. And then my sister is two years younger than that. So two years, five years, and seven years between me and my siblings. Okay. Yeah. And I remember and, uh, your sister from back in the day, your sister used to go to shows and take pictures. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Was, it was, it was funny how, uh, eventually she just started hanging out with people that I knew, you know, <laughs> as she, as, as we got older and like, the difference in our age seemed to kind of go away more and more and she became a person and not my little sister, you know? Yeah. I was like, Oh wait, who are you hanging out with? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think I only just met her once briefly, but then like at some point or another, uh, some, some photos that she had took wound up at my house and I was like, "Wow, this is really cool. Cause I like, I don't know. It like, it didn't, occur to me that I would actually ever like receive the photos, you know, in one, one way or another. I don't remember how that was all arranged or how that happened, but yeah, it was very cool. Um, That's yeah, awesome. so, so how about your, um, your brothers, did your brothers ever get into, get into, uh, 
go into shows and stuff like that? Like, you know, obviously, like when when you did or. Yeah, I mean, um, my brother, the one who's two years younger than me, like he's really he was really into Guided by Voices. Like when he got into college, that oh, okay. was like that was like his jam. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, that kind of similar indie rock mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's what he's into. Um, my other brother briefly played drums in a grindcore band, and. Uh, when, when he, when I think, I don't know if he was in high school or he must have been in high school and uh, probably had the most embarrassing thing that could ever happen to someone happen is uh, he was playing a show and kind of got kicked out of the band mid-set and someone else just sat down and played drums. And I think that was the last time maybe he played an instrument or hung out with those kids. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that sucks. I mean, but like, he, I, mean, I thought he, you were he gonna. Didn't, he didn't. He didn't own a drum set. <laughs> so, oh really? So just yeah, like going for it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like how um, I don't know how uh, you can look at a style of music and just think like, oh, it's grindcore. All you do is just hit stuff real fast. That's that's all it is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Whereas, reduce it to its most basic level and take the art out of it or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, well, I was going to say two things about that. Number one. So he didn't own a drum set. So that's like a blessing when you get kicked out of the band during the set, then (laughs) you don't have, you're just like, fuck, I'm packed. I'll just leave, you know? So that's part. But the other thing was, I thought you were going to say something way worse. Like, you know, like, like he shat himself or something, you know? No, I've done uh, that. That's not embarrassing. Okay. That's just shit. That's just that's, what happens. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting, getting kicked out mid-set, but you know, the not, not it being, it not being your drum set, that's a really a blessing yeah. in disguise. Um, oh, it definitely was. Yeah. So going back uh, to you, to when you were a child, um, yeah. like, uh, were your parents really interested in music? Did they listen to a lot of music around the house? Huh. Like my dad had a Beatles tape in his car, um, Three Dog Night, eight track. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think the, the music that I was, you know, like the oldies station is mm-hmm. what he listened to if he was listening to music in the car. And um, my mom can sing and plays piano, but um, I don't think I ever looked at it in like a creative light. Yeah, you know, as far as like. It wasn't like she wrote music or anything like that, but um, but there was a piano in the house always, you know. And uh, I think I don't know. They're they're pretty supportive of it, you know. Like um, I was I asked for a drum set when I was in fifth grade for Christmas. That's like you know I'd flip through flip through the Sears catalog and circle the things you wanted, mm-hmm. and um, I played drums in the fifth grade. It wasn't a marching band. It was just a, I guess it was an orchestra. So school orchestra, I played the snare drum for a year. Yeah, I guess maybe it was, maybe it was fourth and fifth grade. Maybe it was just fifth grade. I'm not sure. But I'd asked for a drum set, and uh, I got it for Christmas. And it was ordered through Sears or something like that, and it came in, and it was super dented. And so they sent it back. And I never got a replacement. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it but, was just like, yeah, never mind that. 
I don't know. I don't, you know, I, yeah. I thought about it years later. Like, how come I wasn't like, hey, where's my Christmas present? You know, yeah. like, shouldn't the new one be here? Yeah. <laughs> and um, the, then a couple years later, I got a bass for Christmas. So t- seventh grade then, uh, and a couple years later, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. That's wild. <laughs> it is. You That's know, wild. like, I mean, how, I'd be a much more talented musician had I learned to play the drums. Because drummers are always the most talented musician in the band. Well, I mean, <laughs> until, nine out of ten times, it's yeah, a fact. Yeah, fact. yeah. okay. I, I mean, mean you, you, you're, 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 all of your appendages can do something at the same time. Where? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not trying to like disparage anyone that's played drums in a band that I've been in, but more like I've played drums in a lot of bands now and I yeah. don't feel like I'm the most talented person. Um, so I don't know. Uh, yeah. But like you can also play guitar and you can all, you know, like you can play bass and you can, sure. I don't know if you tried to reverse those roles, it wouldn't go as well. Yeah, probably not. Most I of mean, the time. But it, yeah, but it's kind of, it's kind of weird now though too because the person that i um that plays drums in coma regalia is also a really uh-huh. really good bass player as well so okay. <laughs> and better at me better at drums than me too so it's like <laughs> jason should just take over the band really um <laughs> that's what happens when you put two drummers in a band then yeah yeah oh uh, <laughs> i mean how many times have you like how many times have you been in bands where you just like couldn't find a drummer to like stick around or to like you know just like really click for the life of you but then you played with bands that had like a really great drummer and then also like their vocalist was also a really good drummer or something like (laughs) that that happened to me like so many times like um and i can't remember like the first time I remember that happening, but I can I can think, you know, um, right now of this band called Zyme, where like okay. their vocalist is a really good drummer, and huh. and it's like, you know, like oh it, yeah, and the band Sanagi, like um, that we just did that split with, like they uh-huh. have a fucking great drummer, and also their vocalist is a great drummer. Um, they play drums in the band Closer, and oh, it's okay. like, you know. Of all the times when you had a band where you just couldn't get a drummer, you know, like, and then there's just like bands rolling around with like this surplus of drummers in their members. It's <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, no, I've been I've been I don't know I've been fortunate that I've played with really talented drummers. In yeah, every band that I've played in, and I've also like been really fortunate that I've never been. I don't know. I I guess I'm kind of like a. I don't know. Uh, I've never been in a band like where we were. I don't. I've never been in a band with re- revolving band members. Yeah. Like I, it's we formed with this group, and then we ended with this group. I th- no, I take that back. Seven days. Seven days. Got a new guitar player after our first show. Oh, okay. The, but like I probably. My experiences are largely due to location, I guess. Yeah. You know, right. because you like you've always been in, you know, cities with like better music scenes and stuff. Um, at least, you know, from what I understand. Um Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know where. I mean, in Lafayette, it's like uh, take what you can get. But <laughs> yeah, but also I guess I don't know. I, I knew you as a drummer first, and yeah. so like when you're forming a band. It'd be like, oh, and Sean would play drums then. And you're like, no, yeah. but I want to play guitar. It's <laughs> like, funny. <laughs> it's like really funny too, because like you, when we, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but like back in the day when we, we were playing all those shows with y'all, like in Dance mm -hmm. and Destroy, um, yeah. I, I literally just bought that drum set and started really? that band. Yeah. Like I just, I just, pl I played someone's drum set one time after they uh -huh. were like, um, I was playing in a band and they, and I was like trying to like get this idea across, like with what they should play on drums. And they got mad and said, if you, <laughs> if you can do it, just do it. And like, I got back and played a little bit. And then when, you know, Dustin and all them, when we all started the band, they were like, yeah. we don't know anybody that can play drums. So I just bought that drum set and that's, wow. so I was like playing drums, like, a month or something by the time we were, Funny. we were playing shows but i still have that drum sound i'm about to give it to my uh oldest though because because he wants a drum set so that's awesome yeah um so you're like you know based on what you're saying about your parents you know musical listening it sounds like you came into your love of music like you know on your own um but did you have were there like a group of friends that you came up with where you, you know, you were trading mixtapes and stuff like that, or how did you, you know, come to find like punk music and, uh, and, and like the kind of music yeah. that, you know, well, before that, like, I mean, I got, you know, I got, I had like my first three tapes were purple rain thriller and we are the world. And I didn't buy, I didn't have like much other music that was my own from like when those came out until I was in like, maybe fourth grade and that was like when my grade got into metal and by metal i mean poison and motley crew and stuff that metalheads don't consider metal but it was like i don't know mind-blowing to us you know yeah, yeah. and uh, but mostly now that i think about it it was mind-blowing because Motley Crue said ass in Wild Side, and we couldn't believe it. <laughs> but, um, so I had a couple friends, and, you know, we'd all, we all had the tapes, and we'd dub them for each other. And one of my friends, I remember him typing out all the lyrics to uh, Slippery When Wet by Bon Jovi <laughs> when he dubbed me the tape. Well, you know, going above and beyond for a friend there. For sure. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was, I, I don't know, I was, that largely shaped my interest in music. And I credit Bobby Dow from Poison for making me want to play BC Rich Warlocks. And, uh, <laughs> Fair. and Michael <laughs> so Jackson for your, uh, for your dress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that vest. Yeah. I got it. Uh, and, um, but, uh, but how I got into punk. It would be, I, I guess I became loosely knowledgeable of punk because a friend's older sister dubbed, probably dubbed him and then he dubbed me, uh, never mind the Bullocks. And um, that was another thing that was just kind of mind blowing because they swore. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like 
it wasn't like the music sounded like any different than Poison to me. It was just music, but they swore. They, yeah. <laughs> they swore more, and that was kind of like, whoa. Um, so that kind of shows my pretty sheltered upbringing. If uh, <laughs> yeah. a couple words on a tape can blow my mind. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I got into punk um, through, through the Mighty Mighty Boston's. I was uh, in high school after I, I played a lot of sports growing up. And um, in high school, I was on the diving team. And uh, I went to, I grew up in Illinois and went to Madison one summer for a diving camp and met a kid there who also skateboarded. And then he, he played me in Mighty Mighty Boston's there. And then uh, next time he came through Chicago, I went and saw him. And uh, the Blue Meanies were opening for them, who was. Uh, like a localish Chicago band at the time. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, you know what, the way that opening bands are supposed to work is then I saw them there and then I wanted to go see them the next time they played. And so it like turned me on to them. And then by getting on, turned on to them, you know, it was a, a smaller band. And so they were headlining a show with smaller bands opening for them and kind of just like drew me in to local DIY Chicago bands. And, um, so I, I don't know. It's just you know, getting smaller and smaller, and that kind of shows. And seeing shows at the skate park in Rockford, and all this, all the ska shows were twenty-one and up in Chicago, or maybe eighteen and up in Chicago at the time. And uh, so I'd have to drive far away places to see them all ages, the bands I wanted to see. And then, um, what other bands were playing around that area at that time? Like I'm not sure what era, like. Sure, like that was like, uh, so. Was that like slapstick and stuff, or was that yeah. later? Yeah, slapstick was same time and later. Oh, okay. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to think like, because I guess when I got into ska, shortly after that, I got into hardcore too. Um, fuck, I don't even know how I. I got into hardcore my sophomore year of high school. Because, I don't know, a friend just, I had, I could drive and a friend asked me if I wanted to go to a show. And uh, he, I had heard like through that, through that group of friends that I'd started hanging out with, which I, I started hanging out with them on the first day of spring break, my sophomore year of high school. I'm like made new friends that like kind of, kind of life-changing, like tight-knit group of friends. But um, through them, I heard like all the straight edge music of the time. Like I was introduced to earth crisis and Snapcase and strife and all that through them. And then one of those kids asked me if I wanted to go to a show and I said, sure. And so I drove him and, uh, saw Dillinger four current and Los Crudos <laughs> and, uh, oh. <laughs> kind of like, yeah, okay. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good show. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that, and I guess that wasn't my first show. My first show was, um, a friend met a girl at a free show at the Metro in Chicago, and because we liked going to shows, we just go to whatever we could, you know. And uh, she said that this band that she knew was playing at a VFW hall. So I don't know how I got there, 
like I, I think either they picked me up or whatever. But uh, I saw Captain Jazz engage at that show, and I was I remember being super embarrassed when my mom came and picked me up. <laughs> like she walked into the show and was like, "David, I'm here to pick you up." <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> but but you know, my, my parents, my mom was super cool. Like she took me to concerts when I was young. Like like I got to see Poison in fourth grade. And she took me to see Bon Jovi and Skid Row in fifth grade, and then Aerosmith and Black Crows. And I'm trying to think. I think by the time I was in eighth grade, she just started dropping me off. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't think she went and saw like Ozzy on what was supposed to be his last tour with me or anything like that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, she was she was good. She got mocked. By uh, by other people there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I don't know. As much as you did, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I was I was the young I was the young kid that got simultaneously offered weed and then scolded for holding a lighter up during a ballad, <laughs> <You know? laughs> depending on who was next to me at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I, yeah, my mom was sitting on a blanket in the grass. While uh, at an Aerosmith concert, and some lady, sort of someone yelled at her, Move over, Granny! Oh, no. That became a pretty good rallying cry for me in uh, junior high. And it might have been like my first, like, inside joke with my mom. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was was pretty great. Awesome. Yeah. So you said, like, that, um, you so you said you you had gotten a bass and a, a couple of years after you got the drums and yeah. and then you know you were going to see like fucking grudos and current and like what the hell but um <laughs> you were you were already playing like bass by then yeah um like in 7th grade i got oh, okay. a bass right. and um two three of my good friends all got guitars for christmas and this kid that we were kind of friends with got a drum set and uh so were you i don't think i don't think that group of kids ever successfully played a song okay but you were (laughs) trying to play you were trying to play we wanted to we really wanted to but um now you wasn't it wasn't until a little bit later that like I found a better drummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and, and then and some other kids. And I think by the time I was in high school, like that, I successfully had a band. Right. Like freshman year of high school. I forgot to ask because you know you said that uh, you always wanted to play Warlock basses. Was your first bass a Warlock? No, I, I had a. a well, I don't know if it was Japanese or Mexican P bass. Oh, okay. My first bass, a sunburst one. It got stolen out of my car. Damn. The same day my first Warlock got stolen out of my car. <laughs> you, oh, you just had like your gear in your car from, from like yeah, a show? Yeah, so and... that's the problem when, yeah, you house shows and, uh, and you start dating the girl who lives at the house. And so you stay there after the show and then uh, right. and your car gets broken into. Right, right. but it worked out how many warlocks are you later all right so that was the white warlock um 
then I got a red one, and then those are both basses, and then I got a white guitar, and then I have a mini red guitar, like a, I don't know, half, si- half, half scale or whatever, oh, okay. hanging, in my, hanging in my son's room. And then I finally, a couple years ago, it might even be a, close to a decade ago now, I got the neon green warlock Ooh. for my wife for birthday or Christmas or something, which was the holy grail, which was uh, yeah, what, that, Bobby Do- what Bobby Dow played that, Poison, like in, in, one, in one video or whatever. And I was like, that's it. I never really thought about this until till now, but like, yeah, the, the only like I had a warlock as, and it was stolen. Yeah. It was stolen as well. Oh man! Like, um, but I, but also another guitar. I was gonna say that's the only guitar that I, that I've ever had stolen, but I had yeah. an, I had another guitar in that warehouse as well that was stolen, uh-huh. and it it was a it was like one of those Jackson Dinkies, uh-huh. and um. I don't know if you've ever played one of those, but I, I, I never remembered them being that great. Like I remember when I got it, it was I liked it a lot more than the Warlock. Sorry, Dave. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, um, but like you know, years and years later, after it was stolen, I never like reminisced. Like, oh, that was like such a good guitar or anything. Until I was playing a friend's in California while we were on tour. And yeah. I was like, this guitar is fucking great. So now, <laughs> so like the Warlock that I had was the first guitar I ever owned. So I'm like, I'll forever be like, damn, you know, I wish I still had that. And then yeah. like, yeah, I've, I've been like low key wanting, a, wanting to get another a dinky. dinky for a long time. Yeah. It's like, you know, the ones that got away. <laughs> um, <laughs> Reverse or standard headstock? Uh, it was the reverse, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I didn't care about that at the time, but oh, I know. now I, th- I do think, like, well, you know, that's corny, but that was kind of like, you know, a thing just to, like, yeah. you know, set it apart or oh. whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was really excited when I got my, uh, my Warlock, gu- the guitar Warlock I have. It's a reverse. It's like a, the old BC, like the, the pointy BC Rich headstock, not the, Three on a side one. Oh, right. It's, right. A, it's a reverse. It's pretty cool. Oh. Pretty happy with it. Nice. But uh, yeah, the first uh, the first war like I got, I bought like the day before Seven Days went on our first tour. And um, Matt, the drummer, had a coupon for a musical round that had just opened. And I was going to take the coupon and go buy strings and <laughs> drumsticks. <laughs> 
And I walked in there and bought a bass, didn't buy any extra strings because <laughs> I didn't have enough money for that. And uh, yeah, bought the Warlock. It didn't come with a case. So I think I wrapped it in a blanket every night and threw it on top of the gear. <laughs> but uh, I think I, 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 at the beginning of that band, I notoriously broke strings all the time. And it made that, that bass and those strings, I think, made it until like the last show. Of, I mean, the tour was short. But uh, it made it till the end of the tour, so just had which to. was pretty. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. I definitely do remember you, um, you breaking a string at least once or twice. Yeah. Um, I think like maybe the most like the most me- memorable time that we played with y'all, and it's like I can't remember. Where I don't remember where this was, like what state or city, <laughs> but it uh-huh. was like we played in like a church, and it was the only time that you had enough headspace, like or head headroom or whatever <laughs> you want to call it, to do like your backflip move. <laughs> and so that was like that's forever. Like that's the best show that I've ever seen them play. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, and 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 I remember. You know, t- I remember I was standing next to Seth, and I uh-huh. I turned and I just look at Seth, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And Seth was like, "He does that all the time." And I was like, <laughs> "What are you talking about? I've never seen that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah it definitely became a thing that yeah. I did, and I don't know. I I I, I, I'm, I uh, for I don't know. I started doing it. I started trying to do flips while playing guitar before seven days. Like I tried to do it in Luke Skywalker one time or many times actually. Oh, no. And, and would break things when I did it in the, and whatever. But, uh, in Binghamton, New York, we were playing, on, we were playing on a stage and, uh, I did it. And like, I looked, I looked over at the guitar player as I was doing it. And I realized I wasn't playing my own bass. I was playing one that I borrowed from him. Oh, shit. And I, and I thought he was giving me a look of like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and, but the look he was giving me was like, holy shit, you just landed on your feet. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> but then I fell backwards because I was like, oh, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so I almost landed on my feet once out of, I mean, I probably did a flip at almost every seven days in Kung Fu Rick show I played. And, uh, I feel like it. And so, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times of me just flopping my body over <laughs> and landing on my tailbone. And I almost landed it once. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, 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 I'll tell you, that day for sure, that was a good time for me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't remember. It was like one of those things where, you know, because we always played, it was always like, it would be, it'd be you all and us, and then it could be any number of like seven or eight different bands, whether it be yeah. like With Arms Still Empty or John Brown Battery or um, obviously Sense by Man uh, yeah. for Stella Ford, just like uh, Cobra Kai, like uh, all those bands that just like ran, you know, with, with yeah. each other and all the time and stuff. But. Um, good group yeah yeah that was i mean it was i feel like it was sometimes it was just like i never like 
I I wouldn't even remember like uh who like oh who we're playing with tonight you know or whatever I and it, it, I just knew it was like gonna be like some of those bands you know <laughs> just gonna like so I it's gonna be somebody you know so, I mean you know back then you you do like you're you you're so good at like chronicling your shows and everything like that but me i would just be like cincinnati it would just write it on this thing cincinnati and i'd have like the phone number and then just show up and play and it would yeah. be a good time but uh um yeah so <clears throat> you said the only reason i could i kept track of the seven days stuff is just because angel fire never stopped to ex- cease to, they never ceased to, to exist oh okay so you were you, you know, were that, not that was our web that was our website when we were a band, and it never went away. So it just kept staying there, and I could keep adding on to it. And uh, okay. I still remembered the password, so I could update it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, where, that... And, and that was like something that I like. I, I updated the website, so it always stayed there, and I always remembered it. But uh, yeah, I was and so gonna, I just did it. <laughs> I, I was gonna ask, like, were, were you writing like journals after every show, or, or like, or did you ever try to do that? Did you ever try to do a tour diary? Yeah, but I never got far. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's something that like would be so I would fucking love to be able to go back and read my read journals from all those times. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because oh, gosh, I don't remember any of it. I mean, I remember some of it. You know, like I remember bits and pieces, but like to remember, like if I had honestly written down like my honest thoughts and emotions at the time. It'd be so awesome to read, yeah. you know, yeah. just to try to, you could kind of relive the excitement of, uh, you know, all the, all the firsts that came with it and all the new places and all the new friends. And, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I, I try, I mean, I don't know if other people have the same, like anybody else who's ever thought like, oh, I'm going to do this or they get put off for the same reasons, but it's like, I tried to do it on one Comoray tour and I'm like, you know, because I always was so impressed by how you had this this really like awesome uh, list, like chronicling all your shows and stuff. And uh-huh. so, like, you know, the show is over, and I'm like, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna write like a paragraph, no, no problem. And then it's like, well, um, I'm the person that's selling the merch. And yep. then I'm also like the person that's like making the sleeping arrangements, you know, and I'm also <laughs> the person that's like driving the vehicle and I'm also the person that knows how the van gets packed, you know, and yep. it's like, I, I didn't make it three days. I was like, I, w- I was basically like, I'd get somewhere and I'd try to do like the night before and I would just be like. Hey, don't bother me for like half an hour. And then mm-hmm. I'd have this weird like like when like how you can play a song a bunch of times perfectly until you hit record. And then mm-hmm. it's like you get that. Like I'm really bad when like there's a time limit on something. Like I'm just like, uh um so I ne- yeah, I never I never I never did that. Maybe yeah. you know, maybe one day like next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I've no, been I- I've been I on wish two I tours. Had just written down. Oh, sorry. Oh no, it's uh, 
Like I've been on two tours where I where I didn't drive and stuff, and I still, it was just like, I it didn't occur to me to try to do it then. Um, I guess because it's just like there was like eight people in the van, and you know, uh-huh. so, but yeah, yeah. I wish I had just like written down. You know, I got the details, I got the venues, and I got the bands we played with. But I wish I had kept more note of who set up the show and where did we stay. And, like, just so I could – because the thing is, like, those are the connections, you know? Like, mm-hmm. some of the you know, people like, like you and, like, people that I've, like, set up show that set up – I set up shows for or they set up shows for me, like – those are how you made the connections, you know, and the people you stayed with. And some of those, you hit it off great and you have made lifelong friendships. And then there's others that you, you never saw again, you know, and and I will never remember their names. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. uh, but I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome. And I don't know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you said, like, you, I mean, obviously going back a, a ways again, but um, yeah. you, you were playing around with some people, some people, and it just kind of like jamming or whatever. But then eventually you got like um, into what you would consider, you know, like a like more of like an actual band. But um, what, like, how long did you play, you know, in different bands or whatever before you were in a band that you like? were writing your own songs and doing recordings and stuff? Um, the, so the kids I was friends with in junior high, when we got to high school, um, we kind of started playing, you know, jamming together, and then we met some other guitar players, me and the drummer did, and we started a different band, and we decided that those kids were better musicians, and kind of tried to tried to keep it going with both bands simultaneously, but we knew it wasn't sustainable. And I think that might've been when I stopped being friends with my really good friends from junior high. The two other guys, I think that like might've like broke the camel's back or whatever. It was and, like a, uh, a rift. Yeah. Yeah. But then we started this other band and that was like right away. I mean, not right away we started writing our own songs, but, uh, that, that, I mean, that was, we wrote some songs. I think we had six originals and there's a tape of it somewhere. <laughs> was, was that, was that like when you were still like heavily into ska or was that like a ha- hardcore band? I think it was, it was pre-ska. Oh, okay. Pre-ska. Like be- before I was into ska. Like that, that band did like, that's how I was freshman year of high school. So that band did like Alice in Chains and, uh, well, like, you know, some, the drummer was really into Megadeth. He did a couple of Megadeth songs, and uh, okay. uh, just like yeah, or that would have been early '90s. So yeah, yeah, current early current early '90s uh, songs is what we what we were playing, and so the originals I think were kind of grungy. I'm pretty pretty sure the singer yardled, but we just thought he was a good singer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when when you're in, like, you know, high school or whatever, it's, like, yeah. uh, a lot of times, like, people, like, it, like all, all the people that I knew that played in bands were, like, not really, like, the most, like, 
confident people or whatever. So like a, a singer was just a singer because like they had the courage to be the one to stand up there and do it or whatever, yeah. you know, because they, they had the confidence or whatnot, you know. It's yeah. just like I remember when I was in in a band in high school, like <clears throat> we used to think this one kid was like a, such a great singer and um and it's it's really funny like i mean i'm i'm still not a great singer but i i, I have an, an ear for who is you know what i mean uh -huh. and you hear like stuff that this kid was singing you're like wow we used to think that this kid was good just because he <laughs> you know because he thought he was good but uh yeah yeah the yeah. confidence to yeah. put it out there yeah, and, uh, exactly What band was the first band that you ever were um, like booking shows and like and or going on tours with? So the like that so uh, the first band that played like an out of town show was a band called Wretch, which uh, was me and this guy Pete who ended up sang for Luke Skywalker later on, and then. Um, Greg Greg Radajek was a guitar player, and he later did a band called Plaguebringer, okay. which played around in early two thousands. And then a drummer that I don't never did really much of anything else. But we played. We had recorded a demo, and someone's older brother went to school in Michigan, and had a radio show, and would play us on the radio there, as for in Holland, Michigan, and. Uh, they had like a Toys for Tots benefit and were like, they asked us to come play. And uh, it was on a Friday night in Holland, Michigan. And all of us and a handful of our friends all, uh, we didn't skip school. We were called out of school to go play a show. <laughs> and uh, and um, thought, like, you know, it was kind of crazy, you know, there was this big auditorium, big, a big empty like gymnasium room at the stage and a bunch of lights and I don't really remember anything about us playing or if anyone was there and watched us but just the act of like loading the gear into my mom's Suburban and driving up there and like had like backstage pass and I think there was food and like just I don't know it, it's it was a very rock starry feeling for uh, some, I don't know a yeah. couple uh barely 16 year olds you know <laughs> yeah did you think like this is this is it that's what this is what i i gotta keep doing this i, I think i always thought that even before i did do it yeah you know I, I was uh i don't know got the bug early on of just playing and thinking about playing and coming up with ways I, that i could play various places but that was the first taste of like all right like I went to Michigan, you know, like, uh -huh. and not only did I go to Michigan, like, I went to Michigan without my parents and just with my <laughs> band, you know, like, it, it was, yeah. it was a pretty wild feeling. And, um, then, and that band broke up. And then I think maybe shortly after that, we started Luke Skywalker. And, so and then I'm trying to, I'm trying to think like when, and it's a kind of, it's kind of a blur, but it was, you know, I don't know when Luke Skywalker was the first band that went on tour. Mm -hmm. 
So what when you say that you know your your band was doing a recording or whatever, like uh, what kind of experience were you having doing recordings like back then? You know, like yeah. I remember the first time I ever recorded. You know, it was like uh, someone you know had a four track, and, right? And you know, like so, what was your first recording experience like? Early recordings were I had a four track. Okay. And I didn't. I had no idea how to use it. Oh yeah. None at all. So we just recorded live. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it went over all four tracks, and then you could listen to it backwards if you put the other side of the tape in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I had no idea how it worked. I didn't learn how to use a four track until many years later, when the guitarist of the band that went to Michigan knew how to use it. And so, like, a band that him and I were doing before recorded some on the four track and like i don't know if we ever did overdubs or if we still did it all live but it all went on to their own individual tracks and then we mixed it and but um then that band that band with him someone in town had like a pretty fancy studio in their basement someone's dad mm-hmm. and uh you know i'm sure it was someone maybe my age now you know that had played in bands when they were young and then bought recording gear and set up something in their basement, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, he, we went, we recorded with him and he totally like, uh, tried to produce it. Like uh, told the drum, told the drummer to do different fills and like, I don't know. It told me to change my bass parts and some, and it's just like, I don't know. It was, it was, it was kind of, a, it's the only time I've ever had that experience actually. Yeah, where where the person who was the engineer played the role of producer and uh, yeah, I know it's kind of funny because the drummer was a really good drummer and he was like really into Steve Perkins of Jane's Addiction and had like you know like fancy fills and the the guy told him to just do no do do don't do triplets do stand like play the eighth notes as you roll through your times or something like that and it's it's funny because. It just wasn't his style. And, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's funny to listen back to it and be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's how we recorded that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> but, uh, that is wild. Like, yeah. But that was probably the best sounding recording I had for many years because he had nice equipment. <laughs> yeah. I never had any, I never had that experience where somebody was like, change this, change this. But one time I went to a studio like, um, a band that my cousin was playing mm-hmm. in. Um, I went with my cousin to the studio, and I just there was like it was one of those things where they had all these like different rooms, and I went into this one room and was playing these guitars, and and uh, the the person who was recording the other band, like I was, like they couldn't hear me, but I could hear them. And I was playing like their song, and he was like, "Hey, do you want to lay that drown on on blah blah blah?" And I was like, "No." And he's like, "Well, I recorded it," and I was like, "What?" And they played it back, and it was like, and the the guitar player in the other band was like, "Yeah, that's cool," and I was just like, uh, "Okay," but it, but yeah, I mean, I was playing like this really fucking nice like Les Paul through this like you know I like. Um, I didn't like, 
I had a Marshall before, but it got stolen along with that stuff I was talking about before. And mm-hmm. so, like, this was the first time I played, like, a really nice guitar and amp, you know, in forever. So yeah. I was just, like, I was just feeling it, you know. I was just playing, and uh, and um, they were they recorded or whatever. But, yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird, weird experiences. Like, you know, anymore, you know, you don't have to even go to like a studio studio but i always find you know these these stories uh they can vary a lot and it that's a lot of fun but uh obviously not what happened to your drummer was not fun but um, no but the thing is i don't think he minded it no he was like i don't you know i think that's what we just thought that's what it was like and this guy has experience and he's recorded bands and okay those those kind of fills don't translate as well okay so then we won't you know and uh I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there definitely there definitely is like a lot there definitely is um like dial dialogue or whatever uh, um about certain things like especially with uh toms and um and bass drum mm-hmm. happening at the same time. Like there's definitely some some people who fall in the camp like never do that on recording. And there's some people that are like, it's fine, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just figure out how to play a song and play it. I don't... And play it, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I... yeah. But yeah, some people are like, never hit your bass drum, like with your toms, you know? And, oh, okay. And then there's like, uh, <clears throat> kind of like, you know, obviously not like, can't speculate as to why somebody might have said those specific things to mm-hmm. your drummer, but like you said someone's trying to produce it, then a lot of times it's like, is this going to step on like a vocal line or, you know, whatever, like kind of weird stuff like that. But I don't know. Um, You said that was like... (laughs) Yeah, he he probably would have thrown it all out the window once he heard our vocals. (laughs) Like, oh, fuck it. This is garbage anyway. (laughs) What am I I wasting my time with? (laughs) Never mind. Carry on. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe put those rolls back now, actually. (laughs) <clears throat> but you said that was like the best sounding recording for a while. So like, were you doing just like <clears throat> after that? Did you uh, find yourself doing a lot of just like the whole like, um, you know, learn how to use a four track and oh, okay. did did like multiple mics in a room, like through a mixer, straight to tape a couple times. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a guy who did like this old dude named John Emerson who was like old to us at the time and uh he had a studio in i think like elgin illinois so about an hour west of chicago maybe a little more um with traffic and uh but he record bands in his basement and uh had some cool gear down there but the recordings were okay you know they weren't it was, it was you know i don't know what kind of equipment he had or what he we, i think they had to buy real real tape for him but uh i don't know it, you know like but yeah the other, the other guys had the fancy gear and John Emerson probably recorded us how we sounded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the attitude that I've taken ever since. You know, yeah. Just, <clears throat> yeah. That's, and that's the, um, that's the thing that I've never like, like if, like I've been asked to mix bands before and, and, uh-huh. and I, I'm always like, I I'm always, I don't I'm not clear like what people you know want because I've always 
taken the philosophy like you're saying is like like I've recorded some bands like here and um it's just like you you plug in you set up your amp the way you want mm-hmm. you know the way you would play a show and then I'm going to record that and I'm going to try to make what happened in the room come out of the speakers and like pretty much nothing more and nothing less you know but um with everything that it, everyone can do in recording now it's like you know like i don't i don't know you know like <clears throat> i remember when i i heard somebody say something like we didn't even quantize the drums i was like what the fuck <laughs> what does that mean yeah <laughs> and it's like no. that's where you like make the that's where you make the recording grid like mm-hmm. pre- make sure everything falls and, on and, it and, and it's like you make the drums hit where the drums are supposed to hit not a not a fraction less yeah. not a fraction more and i was like people do that shit i'm like wow <laughs> you know damn no wonder yeah. bands are good now um, <laughs> yeah no but, seven uh, days never did overdubs oh you never even did overdubs no it was if if a guitar player fucked up then we re- recorded the whole song. Damn. <laughs> How stupid is that? Like, looking back on it. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Um, there's On the last 7-inch, there's an overdub. And uh, we had, we were having a hard time with a part. And uh, we spliced together two takes for one song. And that was, like, the... And I guess there was a guitar solo overdub and vocals were done later. But, like... Yeah. Yeah. It, it's That was the attitude I had. And... Should our could our recordings have sounded better if we had done it a different way? Probably, <laughs> you know, but I'd I'd never thought about doing it other ways. Yeah, and yeah. I still kind of don't. But life's has definitely changed that quite a bit. We cheat a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean you have to. I mean, you, it's just two of you. You have to you know fill out the space. You're obviously gonna um, you're obviously gonna do like. A lot more layers and yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Well, our first we recorded a song at our first practice, and we never successfully played it all the way through. But I was able to edit it together and came with a song out of it. And uh, <laughs> oh, oh, just like <laughs> yeah, like I knew what the song was gonna sound like, but we never pulled it off. And uh, <laughs> yeah. but it was it was seriously our first time yeah. playing together in that form of that band and. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, awesome. oh, we got we got the chorus here. We got the verse here. Cool, splice that. And so, yeah. <laughs> these, I was playing. I was playing like with uh, this one group of people once, uh, and you know, we played like we were right. We were writing some songs, and we played every week for you know a couple months or whatever, and we were just like record like little like jams or whatever but there was one song where we actually like finished a whole song and it was and i was like let's record that like just like live just so we don't forget it or whatever yeah and um you know like that was really the only song that we ever were able to do that like uh and then did just kind of you know everything kind of just flaked with with these people and um so like this one song that we recorded like live i just later on i just went back and put a second guitar and some vocals on it like just uh-huh. p- for myself really because yeah. i was like 
this is like three months I played with these people for nothing with nothing to show for it, you know. And uh-huh. I was just like, but that's cool. That was fun, you know, yeah. to have a have a song that you like. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's wild. Like I, you know, I like I hear all the time about people just like oh just like send me some drum samples and just like making like whole songs out of it and stuff it's like damn like that shit's amazing like i you know yeah. like what i what i could have got up to you know um yeah well yeah it's, it's it is it is kind of amazing you know just in the time that we've been making music how it's progressed and how the cost has come down and how we could do stuff that would fucking blow our minds back then. Yeah. Just we could do it on, we could do it on our phone now. Going back to, like, seven days, um, I I don't mean to, like, skip over, you know, um, Luke Skywalker (laughs) or anything. It's okay. I I actually, like, I actually, like, uh, did not know about that band at all until, like, pretty much, um, you know, after, like, seven days and all that and stuff. And I, you know, I just thought with that, with that name that naturally that y'all were like a ska band, but y'all were like fucking wild. I remember we started you... out, we started out kind of playing ska. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so the name was fitting at one point. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, like, like, I mean, there were some like more I don't know, like third wavy sounding songs. And then there was punk ska. And then there was like more hardcore songs that like took influences from like suicide machines and stuff. And then, uh, as we went on, we just, which, which is kind of the great thing about bands, especially when you're younger, is you hear something you like, huh, you write a song like it. You, you, you know, you just, oh, I like the way this sounds, cool. Now, now my band can play something like that, where you don't feel like your band isn't, like, defined by a sound or something like that. And, now nah, that wouldn't fit us or whatever. And uh, so Luke Skywalker, you know, did some you know, started playing fast hardcore and started doing, having like some screamo influences and I don't know. <laughs> sure. Like we like tortoise. Let's try something that sounds like that. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was a fun, it was a fun band to be in and a uh, really good drummer and guitar player. 
Yeah, and uh, bands just kind of like don't do that now. I mean, I can think of like, I can think of a you know, a band that does, but but I, but like it's mostly just like one person as well. But um, yeah, it's it's I don't know. I've 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 been really interested in in <clears throat> in stuff like that, and I've been I've been interested in like, is there such thing as like the like like bad sounds like if you yeah. if you uh if you execute it in a way that's like tactful or whatever you know like um can can it be bad you know like because i remember you put that you put like i don't know if it was a discography or whatever but it wasn't this is just like not that many years ago for the first time uh, that I heard Luke Skywalker and I was like uh, I did not know it was going to sound like that like and um it, it was yeah. like you said it was I felt like it was really all over the place but uh, but I was never like this doesn't seem right you know what I mean yeah like I don't know I think more bands should be weirder is what I'm trying to say <laughs> yeah well I mean uh, we seriously just wrote whatever the fuck we wanted yeah. didn't really have a filter and uh Almost all the songs have something that in our mind, at least the guitar player in my mind, was something that we could say, that's almost a ska, or that's kind of a ska part. <laughs> like we could, we, <laughs> there'd be like an upstroke somewhere in the song. <laughs> so it's like, yep, we're still a ska band. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so you were they're trying usually, to... They're, yeah, they're usually buried under distortion or it's like a real short part or something like that. But uh, yeah, we're still a ska band. You were trying but, to have um, that anchor in the, in the ska I, yeah, I don't know why, yeah. you know, but uh, we, you know, we clearly weren't a ska band. But, uh, <laughs> and when we went on tour, like, was right at the end of the band's existence, and um, so like we we slowly pro progressed to be less and less ska, and uh, but we still play. I mean, when we went on tour, it was '98, so like peak yeah, or being pre-peak of uh, the third wave, and, you know, before the ska boom and. Uh, so we definitely played with like actual ska bands on tour and uh, got lots of confused looks. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But we're fortunate enough too that like some people listened to us or we sent tapes before we before the shows were booked or something like that. So we definitely got to play some cool shows that we where we fit in. Yeah. You know, like, mm -hmm. yeah. got to play with like. Bongzilla and Short Hate Temper and Cattle Press and other some other bands at random shows and so it was it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So how did how did you um meet and um form Seven Days? Now you said that you you know there was originally an, a different guitar player, but had you known everyone for a long time before that? Seven Days started in 98, and I I moved to Milwaukee to go to school in 90, like, fall of 96. And then was still, like, was driving back home to do Luke Skywalker, or back to Illinois to do Luke Skywalker on weekends and taking the bus. Taking the bus because I didn't have a car at that point. Or, or they'd drive up and pick me up or whatever. And uh, then I'm trying to think how I... I don't know. I 
just started seeing people around from going to shows. You know, like it, I didn't have any like real in because there weren't any. I didn't meet any other punks or hardcore kids at school, and so I just start seeing people around, and I'd see things that looked like punk stickers, and just I don't know. It was hard hard to break into the scene here, and um, but saw another kid, Paul from John Brown Battery, moved up here at the same time I did, and. He was playing in the Dynamites at the time, and he went to a different school in Milwaukee and met some people there. And so through him, I met a bunch of the kids that were still high school in high school on the North Shore. And so I got to know them a little bit. I'm not telling you the story very well. And then, but uh, one day in the bookstore at Marquette when I was in school, I saw a kid wearing a snapcase shirt, which was Matt from seven the drummer of seven days and i was like i did the most basic like ah there's someone who i might like have something in common with and i so i said hey do you like snapcase (laughs) 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 and um so he was in a band at the time with some of the other kids that i had loosely got to know through paul john brown battery and um, had just been jamming with Jeff from Seven Days and then this kid, Dave Penn. They had just been kind of jamming a little bit, like nothing. You know, Andy and, and Jeff had played in a hardcore band, and Matt was in a pop-punk band with Dave. And uh, they just said, hey, do you want to play with us? And so we started screwing around. And no, you know, when we started playing first, it was... In my mind, it was like more kind of technical-ish pop punk, like maybe propaganda-ish is like what I think it sounded like when we started. And um, but uh, then, then Jeff one day at one practice played "Barrier Head" or the song that would become "Barrier Head," and uh, that kind of became like. Yeah, that song. <laughs> we like <Yeah>. that song. <laughs> and uh, so we played one show without a band name and without lyrics for most of the songs at uh, with Matt and Jeff's old bands. Like we just like hopped on at a party at a birthday party and played those songs, and then a couple months later played our first show in seven days. And after that show, the guitar, the other, the other Dave, after that show was like, you guys, that was really good. Um, you should replace me. Because he lived in Minnesota at the time. He had moved up to Minneapolis for school a couple months earlier. So he's like, he, was, he would come back on weekends or whatever. We'd play. But uh, he's like, you, you guys should replace me. And so, uh, so that show was on... December 29th was the show. We played with you and I and Seisha and Got Awful and Race Bannon. And then the next day, a whole caravan of kids from Milwaukee drove to Columbus to go see Hot Water Music, which was supposed to be their last tour, and they were playing in Columbus, so we all drove there to see them. And uh, on the way there, we auditioned Andy to play guitar. Just by talking talking to him and having him tell jokes and goof around. And oh, okay. <laughs> that, that was that was the way I auditioned. Me the band. 
That's amazing. I thought you were. Yeah. I thought you were gonna, you know, say that somebody was uh, like, um, like mouth mouth miming yeah. like some guitars. Yeah. You know, Andy's over here. You know, right air, the second part. Air guitaring, you know, and yeah. and humming it like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's gonna be sick. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, Let me get that on the voice giraffe, memo. Giraffe. Yeah, it was giraffe. There was no voice memos. I know that's. But, the... <laughs> yeah, it was giraffe impersonations and listening to whatever crappy songs are on the radio. Well, yeah. I was like, yeah, you could be in the band. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's, and, it it worked out though. Oh yeah, it definitely did. And then Dave ended up like touring with us all the time for a while until he moved overseas and he became our official roadie and then every now and then he'd play bass on Barrier Head and I would just sing I think that happened like once or twice that was fun but, yeah that would be a good time yeah um, so you said that you know Jeff started playing Barrier Head and then it was like yeah so was that at that point when you were just like, was it then just like a, it was it was it spoken that you're like, we're gonna write stuff that sounds like this, or did it just like naturally lean that way? Um, yeah, I don't think we ever said like, no, this is what we sound like now. But after that first party we played. Barrier Head was the only song that stuck around. And I don't, because cause the other Dave was living in Minneapolis, and so next time he came back, I guess we started writing other songs? Or, I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't know how we officially said, those songs are gone, but this song stays. And I, I mean, there's a, there's some, I mean, there's at least one song on A Reason to Sing on the first CD that, uh, could have maybe been i don't know with Say, the old stuff but saying there's but, like uh, a a pop punk part in there yeah i mean there's yeah, uh, yeah. There, yeah. but i mean i don't know it, seven days was kind of like luke skywalker is it might seem from the outside that it's more refined you know like it's more like a singular sound mm -hmm. but those are songs written by four people you know like Matt would write a guitar part and then we'd mess with it and then Jeff would write something or I'd write a song or Andy would write a part. You know, like it was four people with, I don't know, kind of maybe not super diverse musical backgrounds, but like we'd bring in influences from here and there and uh, for, somehow shape them into a song. And in our minds, you know, like we're writing a song and in our minds, like, we're totally ripping off Hot Water Music in this part, and we're totally ripping off Braid in this part, and this and this part, and, you know, and, but when you put it all together and put a bunch of distortion on it, and I just scream my head off over it, you lose those influences to some degree, and it just ends up sounding like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that actually, like, that actually, like, hits really, like, close to something that I've been working on because I was like I really tried really hard to I mean to just ape something so <laughs> and and now I'm like listening back to it and it's 
it's drums, it's guitars, it's bass. And I'm like, this does not sound like that. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's really weird because, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm like, I feel embarrassed to say, but it's like, I, I've, I'm feeling like this is like some kind of failure <laughs> on my part. Like, because I, I really was trying, like, I mean, obviously I could, I'm not talking about like copying a band's parts or whatever, because, yeah. it, you know, you can do that. You could just, I mean, bands do do it, you know, right. they literally just take a yeah. part and put it there. Um, I mean, you know, cause I could do that. I could learn that part. I mean, I do know some of the, you know, band <laughs> songs and stuff. So, but, um, it's weird when you're, when I'm just like, I feel like I failed because it doesn't sound like this band that I was like, I'm going to make a band that sounds like that. And instead of being like, like recognizing that, I don't know, there, I guess there's some, something about the way that I play that's just like intrinsic to everything that I do and, and, and like being proud of that or whatever, you know, I'm just over here like, it just sounds like me again, damn it. <laughs> you know, like... I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, I mean, especially, you know, what you're saying about how, how once every single person brings their thing to it, yeah, I guess it was just, it was bound to just end up sounding like me when it's like me putting another guitar and me putting the bass and, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I digress. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the influences played through the Sean Decker filter and uh, you know, and doesn't mean that everything someone plays is a, a singular sound, but you know, it's, it, it has a touch of you at least in yeah. there, you know? And if it didn't, then uh, I don't know. I thought I turned that filter off though. I thought, yeah, you, you I, can try. I tried you can to try. click that button off. But, yeah. Um, so you, uh, seven days did like so much touring. It seemed like, uh, I mean, y'all y'all were definitely in one of the bands that I remember, like, just being like, how do they even know people in all these places, and how do they do this like all the time and stuff? Yeah. Um, you did more than one like full U.S. right? We did the full U.S. just twice. Okay, I I I was thinking. I knew about two, but I thought there mu must have just been more. No, we just did it twice, but we like we played whenever we could. You know, like yeah. all of us were in school, or I guess by the time we got really active, I had finished school, so I was working at a flower shop, and the boss would make the schedule at the beginning of every month, and he'd look at me and say, "Dave, what days are you not going to be here?" And I'd go these. And I and he'd go, okay, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. but seven, seven days played shows, I don't know, three out of four weekends a month and at least two, if not three shows every weekend, like when we really hit our stride and then we'd tour whenever they had a break in school. So we'd go out for a couple weeks, you know, a week, two weeks in the winter and a month in the summer. And, um, it was all any of us really did. And, uh, it was great. Yeah. It was like, it was a ton of fun. And like, we were so focused on just being in a band that like when you'd be home for the weekend or when I'd be home, I wouldn't know what to do. 
Yeah. Like I lost any creativity of other things to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I play shows. I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess I'll watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, it was, I was fortunate that I was working a job that was flexible and, uh, I spent the rest of my time meeting people and reading about like Googling, other cities with the word hardcore after it and finding message boards and then contacting people through that and just trying to find new place to, places to play and uh, was pretty successful at it. Whereas like the only tour before that that I booked was the Luke Skywalker tour and uh, I did that based off of contacts that a, a bigger ska band had given me and it was like lots of promoters and stuff and didn't go so great where you know like promoter promoters whereas when i started doing it seven days i met friends yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. i met people who i talked to 20 years later and uh i wasn't you know wasn't playing wasn't trying to contact the club i was trying to talk contact the kid and play wherever he wanted us to play and or wherever we'd be lucky enough to play and uh fucking give it a everything we could for 20 minutes yeah as often as we could and uh i know I, I probably pushed it harder than i should have with the other guys being in school sometimes you know playing sunday nights in minneapolis on a regular basis and then driving home and uh but they'd all go to school in the morning and i'd get up and go to work <laughs> monday morning yeah. and uh but uh i don't know it was yeah it was great times <laughs> yeah absolutely um so uh what 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 exactly because you know seven days was was one of these projects where it's like y'all never like officially called it quits or whatever um so what was it that like made the band like wind down um so my wife who was my girlfriend at the time okay i'm not blaming her she she'd always talked about she grew up in Green Bay and lived in Milwaukee and had always talked about wanting to move to Portland. And at the beginning of a six week tour, I fucking go and tell the band that I'm probably moving to Portland after tour. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I didn't think about it. I just said what I was, you know, I didn't, didn't think about the repercussions of it or anything, but, um, so that might've had something to do with it. I mean, we never moved, but uh, that might have soured it a little bit. And then the beginning of that tour went fucking fantastic. Like, the shows were bonkers, and we made a bunch of money, and, you know, like, whatever. Like, there was just, we had a solid run on the East Coast where the shows were awesome. Then we came home for one day, so Andy's brother could be there for, Andy could be at his brother's graduation. I got held up at gunpoint and then we got back in the van and then went to Florida and then did the West coast. And, uh, we did that with since my man, but we had van problems on that part of the tour and, uh, broke down in Southern California and then blew our transmission in San Francisco. And then I, Je Jenny, my wife was flying out to meet us 
in Portland for the 4th of July for a 4th of July show, a 4th of July basement show that was supposed to be tragedy, harem scarum, page 99, majority rule, seven days, and since my man. And so it was like one of the highlights of the tour, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so she was flying out for that, and uh, we broke down in San Francisco, and um, I kind of said to the band, like, I, she's flying out there. I got to go meet them. I got to go meet her. So I took a bus up there, hung out with her for a few days, and then I took a bus and met up with Since My Man. And then we were all the tour was all going to meet back up, like, once the van was fixed. And so after several days in San Francisco over a holiday weekend, the transmission finally got repaired, blowing out all the money we had made on that tour at that point. You know, and then they started to drive out of the city, and then the van was having the same problem. Like, it was acting funny, so they turned around, and the shop was closed. And uh, it took another couple of days to figure out that it was a bad air filter or something like that. But by that point, I'd already met up with Since My Man and rode with them all the way home. And uh, seven days, drove home from San Francisco, and then sold the van shortly after that. And uh, I don't know, shit just wasn't the same. Yeah. And uh, we never got another van. And um, I don't know. I, I abandoned my best friends. That's pretty much how I look at it in retrospect. Is, um, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if how they look at it. You know, we never really talked about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I look at it, I look at it as I, I, I ditched them when they were broken down. And um, and then you know then we got home and we were still a band, but we never got another van and they all the three of them started another band, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a regret. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can I can definitely see it from your point of view, but also like I think you know there's no way that anybody could have known that like. Not only, you know, the fact that, like, um, it was going to take as long as it did to to fix the transmission. I mean, it is a transmission, so that's kind of like, you know, you could assume it's going to take. But, like, the whole, like, okay, it's fixed, and then you're trying to leave, and it's not fixed. Like, that's, like, yeah. you know, that's just, that's just insult to injury, you know? I mean, I, yeah. but I mean... Yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody could have known that, you know, that was going to happen. Of course, like, you know, that's not a lot of, um, that's not like a lot of consolation, you know, after the fact. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so <clears throat> were you, once you got back and, you know, the band was kind of like, uh, going, going, you know, your separate ways for the time or whatever, were, were you still, like trying to play, like, were you still trying to play music? Like, um, or were you just like, did you take that as like, maybe I should just focus on, on other parts of my life or? Um, no, I was still, I mean, I, I mean, seven days still practiced when we got home from that tour. Yeah. Like what, but, um, I mean, it's just kind of, it kind of wasn't the same because the uh, three of them had, kind of focused more energy on a new band and uh so i mean so i mean because we didn't have a van we couldn't push it as hard 
but then they got another a band for the a van for the other band, and so we could do some stuff here and there, but uh, it's just I don't know. We I mean, we went to Europe a year after that, like after that tour, we went and did a month in Europe, and we're supposed to do a month uh, two weeks in the U.S. when we got home, but we didn't have a van, and we we're supposed to tour with Comfort and that band was kind of imploding at the time too. And, uh, they were supposed to rent a van so we could all go in like a, to rent a big van that we could all go in together. And, uh, so while we're in Europe, I'm watching my other band implode in the States (laughs) and, you know, it eventually got to the point that a band with two singers was going to go on tour with none of the real singers and like one replacement singer. And like, it just was going to kind of be a wreck, but, uh, but that tour was booked really solidly. The seven days going for a West coast tour would have been fucking awesome had it happened. But, um, so, but I don't even know what I'm saying. I mean, so seven days was still a band yeah, and we still did other stuff, but like, it just, it just slowed down because when you don't have a van, you're, not doing as much you're not playing yeah. shows every weekend you're not you know like we went from playing shows you know playing 10 shows a month to one yeah. <laughs> you know, or less yeah. and uh but i mean we were during that time we were still practicing and we had i mean it's sad to say but we had the better part of an lp written that's lost now and uh but Damn. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I mean, there was no like, no firm like we're not going to do this anymore. But I think Andy quit at one point too. Now that I think about it, I forgot that. Yeah. I think Andy quit, and there was talk of Meatball from Since My Man playing guitar, and uh, but I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. It's I don't, you know, journals, man. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and I kept sure. the journals. The meeting where we talked about Andy quitting probably would have been a big day in my life. Yeah, but um, so like, um, obviously jumping ahead like quite yeah. quite a while. Um, when now, I'm not sure if you had like a bunch of projects between like Kung Fu Rick and um, and uh, and um, Seven Days. I think wait. I think I remember one band, but, um, anyway, um, the next thing that I really knew was like, you know, a few years ago now when I, when I heard of Life's, so like when you started Life's and you're starting as like, was it always supposed to be just a a two piece? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. So in between like when seven days and comfort kind of petered out. After that, I did a band with the drummer of High and Crime, or with the drummer of Comfort called High and Crime. Okay, and that's then, what I. Yeah, I did that one, and then um, I was in a band called Get Rad with uh, oh, right, Kevin right. from Since My Man and Ben from Textbook Traders. Yeah, of course. And then I, did, I was also in a band called Herds that did a couple records, and I did Party by the Slice with Zach from Life's and Corey from Protestant, and my wife was in a band and. Uh, um, so I did, I mean, I was, I was very active in that time. I was doing yeah. a lot, a lot, yeah, a no, lot I, of bands. We even no, played no, with but, High on Crime at some point. Yeah. And I, but, but I was, I, but I wasn't touring. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't really touring. Get Rad 
did Conrad did some tour, some short tours, but like I wasn't on the road all the time. You know, I just just wasn't. You know, yeah. I was still thinking about it all the time, but uh, we weren't booking constant shows. But um, Get Rad was like the main focus in that time of the band, those bands and did the most and wrote the most songs and put out the most records. But um, through work schedules. At one point, like, uh, I think the drummer got a new job and was going to start working second shift. And the guitar player worked at, like, 5 in the morning at this print shop. And I worked Monday through Saturday at the time. And so I didn't want to have band practice on Sundays. So we, we just kind of realized that, like, we can't have band practice anymore. Are we even a band? Like, that happened... Uh, Around Halloween one year, we realized that happened, and uh, I spent the next couple of months kind of freaking out because it was the first time probably since high school that I hadn't been in an active band. Like, I wasn't having band practice on a regular basis if every week or whatever. And uh, so I spent a couple months just writing songs. Like, I'd pick up my guitar, and I'd write a song you know i i all, what i was doing was i was thinking of all the drummers that i knew that i thought might want to be in a band and i'd write songs and think who would want to play this song oh maybe he would want to do this band or you know that's and uh then i wrote a song a couple songs and i was like oh i wonder if zach would want to do this you know because i was like and then then i just maybe just the two of us because zach can sing and play drums and uh High and Crime started out as a two-piece, and I enjoyed the freedom of it. Because when that band started, my job, my, my work hours were sporadic. And so he lived in Chicago, and so sometimes I'd get done with work at noon, and I'd just call him and said, hey, want to jam? He said, sure. And so then I'd just jump in my car and drive to Chicago and meet him when he got off work, and we'd hang out and play some music. And uh, But I really enjoyed the freedom of that. And, uh, you know, like if one of of us had to change something I had to cancel practice for one reason or another it wasn't a big deal if you're running late you know you can make those adjustments and um by that point in my life when get rad kind of ended and life started um i had our my wife had already had our first kid so i was going to need some more flexibility because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get rad kind of slowed down because i wasn't going to go on tour anymore I didn't, I didn't want to, especially early on in my son's life, I didn't want to leave. And uh, I did my best, like even with work and stuff, to be home every night, you know. And uh, I made a real point to, to do that and to be present. And um, so so I stopped booking shows for Get Rad, so Get Rad stopped playing shows. And... Um, but then when life started, I wrote some songs that I thought Zach might want to play. And he had just, his wife had just had their first kid. And so the stars kind of aligned. You know, we were both new parents, we were both married, and uh, both had, you know, just had similar shit going on in our lives. So we totally understood what each other was going through. And... We'd get together on Friday nights after the kids were, you know, the babies were asleep and our wives were getting settled for the night. We'd get together at 10 or 11 o'clock and 
play till three or four in the morning and uh, <laughs> and then I'd go to work Saturday exhausted but uh we'd get the band practice you know and then fifty percent of the time one of us would get a call saying something's wrong at home and we'd be all right practice is over see you later and uh you know because we were both in the same boat we were both cool with that yeah. whereas if you had a you know three other people who weren't who had no idea what you're going through it wouldn't have gone so smooth potentially you know i don't yeah. know yeah. but um so it was you know honestly stars just aligned and uh life's i mean couldn't exist without zach you know like it, anyone else it probably wouldn't have worked i mean not just the fact like that he's a good drummer with a plays interesting parts and can also sing but he's also easygoing and like-minded and pretty much everything with me and uh you know it's 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 perfect yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's it's what it's it's what it's what i needed and i don't know what he needed at the time too i think i don't know And that was my conversation with Dave Rudnick. Thank you so much, Dave, for taking the time to chat with me and for 20 plus years of friendship. Until next time, take care and do good things. Mm -hmm.